I think the obvious choice is the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A New Hope. So, Oh, really? A new which hope? on the release was not A New Hope. It was just Star Wars. Oh. Did you know that? I did not know that. It wasn't actually renamed A New Hope until many years later. Hmm. I think it was maybe... Maybe the release. Actually, sense. yeah, I think it was maybe the release of of Empire, um, because really George Lucas, even though he, I think he had the stories planned out, he didn't really intend, or what well, not intend, he didn't imagine that he would get the opportunity to make another one. Yeah, he didn't think it would happen. So at that point, it was just Star Wars, which is and one of the reasons A New Hope has such a like, yay, popcorn flick ending. Yeah, it's exactly because like, that was like, like that was it. Better make him happy now. Like, I only it. got one chance. So. <laughs> Gonna blow and, up yeah. the Death Star. Uh, I blew it up too quickly. I gotta uh, do that let's again. Let's do another one. <laughs> <laughs> the moral of the story: the podcast where a writer, a philosopher, and a filmmaker explore the stories that make us and the morality that makes the story. Well, anyway, I, so I, yeah, we're I here to talk know. about. I mean, you want to start with a new hope, but I feel like we should talk about Last Jedi. Because wasn't that the big controversy, and that was the last one that was released? I mean, but there wouldn't be a Last Jedi if it weren't. I think we should st- set the stage because I know. Okay, you guys, you got to understand, audience out there, Luke. <laughs> okay, he may have been named after Luke Skywalker, <laughs> not even just Luke that wrote the Gospel. Okay, the Gospel of Luke. He may. There may be a, a naming no, after my mother Luke Skywalker will that to the there. grave. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it, like Luke is a hard, hardcore. As hardcore as hardcore gets, Star Wars fan. We both, Benjamin and I, really like Star Wars. I really like it, but I have not literally cracked one extra thing. Like I've, I've Luke only can tell you I've the, only the seen history the, of Darth Plagueis, the, the master of the Plagueis. Oh, Pla- oh, yeah. Uh, we, there's actually Sorry. one of my favorite <laughs> podcasts out Let's there. Let's say more words to be correct. Well, about. yeah. <laughs> How many times am I going to correct you on this episode? No, there is a there's a one of my favorite podcasts out there. It's called Story Break, um, and they it's writers who have mm-hmm. to break a story in an hour. But they do this Star Wars one, and one of them call, one of them calls it Darth Plagueis. <laughs> and so the whole time they're they're saying Darth the whole episode Pla- the, the whole episode they're saying Darth Plagueis. You just want to phone in, and be like, don't say that. It's Darth Plagueis. No, yeah. yeah. So uh, well. Well, I think I think we should set the stage for any and all Star Wars episodes to come. Yeah, um, and talk about the overarching moral philosophy of the Star Wars universe. Right. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that should be our window. Is that okay. a good? Is that a good? I agree. Okay. Because really, that's I, I love my one of my favorite quotes because. I feel like, and Luke will, might have a fit, but uh, people make <laughs> I, I too much. I will try to limit myself to fits. People make too much of Star Wars, in a way. In a way, it's actually a very lighthearted, it began very lightheartedly. Yeah, you know, I it was not. It wasn't this overly weighty thing. And that's actually, I think, why the original trilogy is so much better as a yeah. as films yeah. than the newer one but to, obviously than the prequel trilogy but even than the new ones the new mm. ones are a lot better but people are too precious with it like yeah. you can tell JJ Abrams and the guys uh, what's his name Ryan Johnson Ryan Johnson he probably the least in that he got the kind of dark shakespearean dramatic kind mm-hmm. of aspect yeah but you can tell that they're kind of walking on hallowed ground yeah Whereas like like they don't want to, Harrison Ford yeah. really does act like he is playing a bit part in a campy space story. Yeah. 
Like in the original, like when you right. watched number well, one. And well, let's, Alec Guinness let's... literally did not want to be involved in it. Like he thought it was the stupidest thing. <laughs> and... like, How much will you pay me? Okay. Well, you know, they, they really had trouble with Alec Guinness playing the did original they? Obi, you know, Ben yeah. Kenobi. Cause he just, he was a, he was a renowned Shakespeare theater actor yeah. and he was just like, I'm this still is really surprised <laughs> that he came back for Empire and and Jedi. Well, at that point, he, it was such a huge success, and he wasn't well, going to say no. Well, I, I, well, <laughs> well, in a way. But what I've heard is that he he was resentful of the fact that Obi Wan Kenobi was the role he was remembered for because Guinness was one of those actors like uh, he was an actor's actor. Yeah, like uh-huh. Laurence yeah. Olivier, and uh, like he was right. trying to compete with mm-hmm. those guys right. and build the. Cast well, and list. to an extent, and he was Rimbo. Luke. Well, that's uh, that's really how Harrison Ford feels about Han Solo as well. Uh-huh. You know, Harrison Ford wanted Han Solo to die. He wanted to be remembered for things like Indiana Jones and um, well, actually, Air he, Force One. Yeah, well, <laughs> but he has said Get he he liked plane. the Indiana Jones character way more than he liked the Han Solo. Yeah, character. you can kind of feel, and that. you can tell yeah, he wanted yeah. him to die. I. I think it was at the end of Empire. Well, yep. the thing about Star Wars, and this is always the thing that I, I get uh, when I read fan reactions to Star Wars uh, material, always kind of throws me a little bit, is Star Wars is so obviously a fantasy fairy tale right. story. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. it's about, and, and actually there's, a, there's like a literary way of uh, thinking about this. Um, there is the pastoral which is um, a, a, a genre of writing, goes all the way back to Shakespeare before, but the pastoral is about nature, um, serendipitous things like you know romance or marriage. Typically something supernatural. Supernatural, yeah. the supernatural fairy, like destiny, and, right. um, and about the past. So, like, the classic example of this would be The Legend of Zelda, mm-hmm. right? Here I am, yep. and there's the ancient tower. I was tower, thinking of Midsummer Night's and, Dream, but okay. okay well, <laughs> Alex, young people don't know Midsummer Night's Dream. They know Legend of Zelda. Okay, so, but yeah. there's, but it's We're all about... to sell to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Want the kids to listen. <laughs> but it's Zelda all about the from past. from before I was born, too. That's right? true. It, it, it's it's, it's a, but it's about the past. Yes. Yeah. So, for instance... It's nostalgic. It's nostalgic, and it's whereas there is an opposite story hmm. that... Uh, and I can't remember the new name. It, it's not as traditional as pastoral, but, um, but basically it means um, like a, a novel of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. A futuristic novel. And mm. a futuristic novel is the exact opposite of the pastoral because it's about non-natural. It's the right, city. Right. And it's about technology, not organic. And mm. it's about the future. And it's also uh, about not romantic, right? It's like political. It's ironic. It's, it's ironic. Yeah. It's all yeah. these things. Um, and so when you watch... But, but the thing people that sets think Star all Wars the time, apart. People think all the time that Star Wars is sci-fi. It's, but yeah. it's not. Or, the thing that sets it apart is... A long time ago, ago yeah. right. in a galaxy far, far away. Right. That is this ground zero yeah. for why Star Wars is so great. That was also why, I don't know why George Lucas so misunderstands his own work. <laughs> why is that possible? Like, why is it possible I, to so yeah. miss it? Because when you get to the prequel trilogy and he had all his fancy computers now. Yeah. He makes everything look new and shiny. The whole thing that made the old ones cool is that it's junkyard equipment that takes you from one planet to another. Yeah. Well, I don't... That yeah. was what made it cool. It's that everything's old and... Well, I think he misinterpreted why people loved the originals. Because for him, in his mind, 
George Lucas always was trying to push the envelope of what you could do technically. Right. Mm -hmm. And he really, I mean, okay, yes, by today's standards, Jar Jar Banks is a nightmare, but yeah. when that came out, nothing that, like it had that been was done, yeah. revolutionary. Okay. But the whole point was just the technology. Yes, for him. That, and which that's he, the problem. Which is why he missed well, why and, the originals and to be, were so And beloved. to be fair to Lucas, he just is a wannabe James Cameron in that sense. Like, what does James Cameron do? Terminator 2. Yeah. We have new technology. I'm going to do something. But Cameron just does really simple stories. That's true. And and Lucas, I but think, Cameron wasn't. Cameron is basically, I mean, he's barely above like Marvel level filmmaking to me. Well, yeah, now, well, yeah, but for well, a long time, he yeah, was the yeah. the absolute peak of technology. Well, let's let's dig in a little bit to, I guess, the moral philosophy in Star Wars. I, my, the quote I was going to bring up earlier is Mark Hamill talking about the Jedi and the Force, and is how the the Force is just religion's greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> you get a little monkishness, a little a, a little magical power, a little uh, you religion's know, greatest little asceticism, like a, you know, a little bit of mind control, you know, all, all the stuff. Yeah, um, and I it's think just that's vague religion. It's just stuff, you know. Um, it's spiritualish, and it gives you great power, which is what everybody wants, right? So it's um, you know funny in that way. Um, and now in the new series, we're. I, I'm really curious to see where they will bring the whole Kylo Ren and Rey storyline because in some way they're going to have to bring this, what is the Force, where does the Force come from, all of those things to a head. Right. Except that they'll want to be able to do a sequel. So we know Disney <laughs> won't let them you know, fi- sew it up too too tightly. Yeah. But um, well, what do you guys think? We know what all you- this. and Oh, we do. I mean, well, tell us, Luke. What have you read? And uh, I, I need a I need a novel of novel how seventeen. Long this, this, this episode needs <laughs> this to be. Luke was warning us that this podcast might be 17. three hours, and, <laughs> right. and if we unleash him, <laughs> then it might become true. This, this might might prove uh, lengthy. Um, well, George Lucas's vision for the Force and the subsequent creators after he relinquished control have been a bit at odds with each other. And in some ways, George Lucas really didn't even understand where he was going because, you know, in the original trilogy, it's very much this spiritual mystic thing. Mm -hmm. And then in the prequels, he tried to introduce that it was actually a scientific thing with the metachlorians. It's actually in your bloodstream. But with the whole Disney thing, became racist. <laughs> yeah, that was he. Yeah. Anyway. Oh man. <laughs> but in the new one, they've kind of they've mm-hmm. they've basically tried really to respect George Lucas's work mm-hmm. and reconcile it with kind of what they're doing in the original. And so, kind of in the way that they've described it now is that well, Jedi do have midi chlorians, um, but that kind of puts them in touch with what they've kind of distinguished as the cosmic force and the living force. And so the cosmic or the living force is kind of what exists in all life. So that's kind of what the living force is. Yeah. The the energy energy that exists within all life. And then there's something that they refer to as the cosmic force, which is kind of the, the, uh, the will of the force. It's like the active action of this spiritual force. The passive and active will of God. Sort yes, of. is kind of what it represents. And that's where the whole balance lies. Mm. Um, and for those of anyone who's actually, well, anyone who's 
a big enough Star Wars fan, you've probably watched Clone Wars, and they did a whole arc where they visit this planet called uh, the planet of Mortis, and it's basically this planet which means where, death, everyone. <laughs> I didn't know that. You told me that. That was actually interesting. Latin 101. Mortis. Um, yeah. So, and then it's kind of this planet where the Force kind of has the most. It kind of exudes the most from this planet. It's the physical location yeah, where this it, invisible spiritual power right. comes from. <laughs> Come, comes from out well, into well, the universe. Well, well and actually, say, so. yeah. you can't tell a story without making it concrete. I know. Right. I know. So, yeah, it's and then, it's like, like my joke for this episode was, after watching the trailer for the episode nine, it was... Uh, like Jaws, we're gonna need a bigger boat. You know, it's actually we're gonna need a bigger throne room because oh, okay. we've gone through two throne rooms with Palpatine and then Snoke. And right. Now well, a third Alex, you are right in that they it it is a little bit up in the air about what all the force is, mm-hmm. and I'm curious to see if they do kind of resolve that or if they kind of keep it. it mm-hmm. We do have a, a lot of answers about the force, but there are a lot of answers that have mm-hmm. not been. Well, let's, or a lot let's, of questions that have well, not been addressed. Because I want to I ask mm-hmm. this from the perspective of like true morality, mm-hmm. not just in Star Wars right. uh, lore, you know, lore yeah. and and you know, like fan fan knowledge. But but what is the what does it represent in reality? Like, what is the story telling us? Well, that's where I go back to that pastoral idea, you know, which is looking at the past. I, I know a lot of people got kind of mad, I think, with Force Awakens, and then especially with Last Jedi, because the J.J. Abrams and the new storytellers intentionally did not, um, uh, they created all these gaps of knowledge, right? There was like a 30-year gap between Return yeah. of the Jedi and the new thing, and and they created all these mysteries, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And they in almost and they almost to an infuriating extent didn't even tell you anything that had happened ever yeah. to anybody yeah. in the last mm-hmm. 30 years. But um but uh when you when you realize that it's a pastoral, you realize that really any Star Wars movie to feel like Star Wars, it's going to have to be about a mystery in the past that has to be resolved by the present. Yeah. And that's always... And so when you realize that that's actually the shape of the narrative, mm. yeah. then um, I think part of why Star Wars uh, feels like a spiritually relevant story is because there will always be that question mark at the center of any Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. Like, in a way we need Abrams to not tell us what the force is because yeah. it, it, there always has to be some black box yeah. out quantify there it, for yeah. it to feel like it's Star Wars. Right. And part of the reason midichlorians were hated is because people felt like it broke that. It oversimplified it. It oversimplified right. it and it made it quantifiable. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to me, Star Wars has always hovered between Zoroastrianism, right, which was the ancient Persian... Mm-hmm. religion of just dualism, you know, mm-hmm. that there is a evil that is dark and it has its own nature out there. And then mm-hmm. there's the light and it's the twin brothers and mm-hmm. that they're always fighting yeah. and they're equal powers. Right. And, they had an and, idea of a divine fire. Right. That, and that burned and, and, and people, that they're always inter- in conflict. Well, and, and, and people it's, should and know it's, like the magi that visited Jesus were more than likely Zoroastrians because magi came from media you know, in Persia, um, and that's essentially where they where they were. So they were star studiers. 
Um, and there are some interesting parallels between like Mosaic Law and You're some of the Zoroastrian. You're telling me that the three wise men were Jedi? <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure they said they were Jedi. Balthazar, yeah. quick! My lightsaber! <laughs> my lightsaber! <laughs> In the back of the camel. To the left. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, anyway, but yeah, that's a the interesting Star Bethlehem aside. Was the yeah. lightsaber blade. Yeah. No, there is, yeah. though, that dual that dualism. The yin yang kind yeah. of a thing, well, that's right? What that well, and and um and and you know the the thing about Star Wars to me that has always been interesting is that most of the time when you see yin yang philosophy in storytelling, it follows the Eastern idea that good and evil are really the same thing, yeah. or that they need to just be in harmony, and that there's really no morality, right? right. That there's no such thing as a sin mm-hmm. or a crime. That mm-hmm. it's just. You have to see it from a different perspective. And the thing that Star Wars always did that to me was striking was it would use Eastern language, like the forces in all things, and there's the dark side and the light side, and supposedly there are two sides. But then it would suddenly throw in, and you've got to resist the dark side yeah. and go to the light side. So it's yeah. it kind of undoes the it follows the eastern logic so can and then the force suddenly it this- jumps to this zoroastrian place where it's like there's a moral struggle even though they're the two sides are quote equal well then can the force be one thing or does it have do you have to say the force actually has to be two things well and 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 this is yeah. where i I don't know how much pressure you can put on the Star Wars uh, stories. You know, because I don't know how much Del Rey's <laughs> authors, it's like, <clears throat> hello, this is Del Rey Publishing. Uh, yes, uh, let me put you through to our new author today. You know, how much are they yeah. putting, you know, that is creating a, the yeah. A dream the job of mine to work for the Lucasfilm Story Group. Ah. Because oh, yeah. they're actually, their sole job is really just to make sure that all of the stories fit within the canon. Oh, that's uh-huh. literally their jobs. They don't really make the movies. They don't really write the books. All they do is have all the, the movie makers. What the the whole, they're, they're what the Holy Spirit was for the Bible. They're yeah. just like <laughs> the Lucasfilm Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. We are the force that keeps the books together. I no. mean, literally, that's what they do. They sit in a room and the authors and the filmmakers come to them and they say, this is what we're thinking. Does this fit? And then they analyze it and they're like, this fits, this doesn't, you need to fix this. And this is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're basically nerds yeah. that probably make a, a pretty penny. So, mm-hmm. but the only moments in the Star Wars, or movies, they gave the job to guys that still live with their parents because they were so. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> they were the most read on all Star Wars. That's true. <laughs> but but the only moments in the I Star guess Wars in some movies, ways, I'm I'm too far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too far ahead to be able to have that job. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the only moments in the Star Wars movies to me that actually jump into like an explicitly Christian place is um, one in actually Rogue One when you have the uh, well, he's not a Jedi. What is he? He's like the blind. Well, he's a monk. he's a guardian of the will. He's a guardian. He, of they were the, the guardians of the wills, which were what are those? Yeah. So the wills were like they were an ancient order that was like deeply connected to the Force, which could have been like a prehistoric version of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were they were basically force monks, mm-hmm. um, which in Rogue One, the 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 city, mm-hmm. uh, Jedha, Jedha City, mm-hmm. um, that was a, a temple of the wills. Mm-hmm. And they were very deeply connected to the force. Huh. And 
so that's yeah. kind of what and so Ben's and thesis, they were, they, they and Ben's were, thesis were, is proven that there's something more ancient and more forgotten. Oh, yeah. right. Well, they were, like, they were like in very, the back. Because right, right, Luke went to the, the island planet where the Force Temple was, the first Jedi Temple was, the ancient scrolls and all this stuff. But there's also the other ancient planet <laughs> that has the knife of the force or the knife of death or whatever, the Mortis, the planet well, of Mortis yeah. and all this. That, that, anyway, they weren't there's always an older spot. To that. Yeah, yeah, there's always an older spot. There's always an older, you're right about that. But, um, but, yeah. but that monk the guy in Rogue One was very much based on a sort of a, almost like an Eastern monk um, mm-hmm. because his little chant thing, his mantra that he kept saying, it's kind of like the Jesus prayer. Of, of, Eastern of the Eastern Orthodox monks, where well, they say, and to me, he was an interesting Lord Jesus, Son of God, have he mercy was on the me, first sinner, time in a film, and it. I know that maybe people have talked about you're saying like the will of the force, and I think in episode one, there's a reference to like Anakin's birth was part of the will of the force, or yeah, um, but that he was saying, I'm going to unite myself to the will of the force, in other words, to do the right thing, right, which hitherto in Star Wars movies to unite yourself to the force basically meant to just magnify what you were already feeling. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're feeling anger, you could magnify it in the force and shoot blue lightning. Right. Which right. would be pretty dangerous if you're yeah. mad you could shoot yeah. blue lightning when you're mad. Well, Sorry. It, it is, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is clear um, to see all that, especially if you know George Lucas was very inspired by Eastern religion for mm-hmm. this movie. Uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, even old Japanese epics, mm-hmm. um, Kurosawa, Kurosawa. like he's very inspired by all that. So it does make sense that a lot of that mm-hmm. kind of bled through, um, mm-hmm. into all of that. So, yeah. Well, how do we know, like in, in the world of star Wars, you know, there's, there's a iconography, you know, have heavy imagery yeah. that tells us who's good and who's bad. Yeah. But then how do we know who's good and who's bad? Right. Well, now you're getting to Jonathan Last's uh, famous articles that he wrote for the Weekly Standard before it went belly up when he t- uh, argued that the Empire was good. Oh, right? yeah. He said, <laughs> he started, I was saying, he says, number one, you have this uh, corrupt, you know, uh, republic that everybody knows is corrupt. And then it's, and it's ruled by oligarchs. And then um, the emperor takes over, and the, what does the emperor do? Well, he sidelines the Senate, and he establishes governors who are prompt and efficient and <laughs> manage to build massive projects like Death Stars that are you know, <laughs> tremendously technologically uh, advanced. And then, and then he says, and who fights him? This guerrilla group that has like no moral vision for the for the for the galaxy, Pers- led by us. He's a, leaving a out the genocidal destruction of a planet part. <laughs> right. But, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, his argument was, he says, other than you take away the black cloaks and the hideous skin and the destruction yeah. of the one planet, like the really obvious, we're the bad guys, so we're going to yeah, blow the planet yeah, yeah. thing. That. The empire is like orderly, and that everything. That, <laughs> well, but the, and the, what and is the, the empire and the rebe- really? And the re- rebellion—you don't even know what the rebellion is for. It's just a rebellion against. But what is the empire order, really? You know? Really, the empire is the Nazis, right? Yeah, it's really, just a World War that's II. Really, this is really all about yeah. George Lucas growing up in the tale of World War II. Yeah, and that's why you need, honestly, that's why we probably should have decided exactly which movie we're talking about because (laughs) in the original trilogy, you really don't have the concept of the Sith very much. Mm -hmm. Like, you have Palpatine and you have Darth Vader, um, which are Sith, but the the threat is the Empire. 
Right, and, right. And it's later in the prequels that the whole concept of the Sith are, which are really the, I mean, the Sith They're are quelling the, freedom through the, the, through the universe. Right. The Sith are the, are the mortal enemies of the Jedi, not mm-hmm. the Empire. The Empire was, you know, that was the struggle. That, that's, that's the, the rebellions. Right, enemy. right. And the Empire um, really was sort of an atheist project. Right. And, well, well, and this is interesting to me because, you know, why do y'all think, you know, that with Last Jedi, there was such a visceral reaction to that movie and people feeling like, you know, this thing that had defined their childhood. Because he turned Luke into a chump. Yeah. Sullied. That's what it was for me. Mm-hmm. He turned Luke like, into Luke, Luke, like, Luke Skywalker became a chump. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. very disappointing. Milking dinosaurs in the beach to, <laughs> for his yeah. food. And, and uh, of course, it's probably his vegan. Uh, or, so it wouldn't be vegan, really. It'd be... Yeah. Even though I'll give Ryan Johnson his, this. Um, at the end, the final confrontation with Luke against the... Oh, uh, AT. Pure like, cinematic. Yeah, that was beauty. that was pretty much what everybody had always wanted to yeah. see, at least visually. Yeah. yeah, from from no, Luke Skywalker and, 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 and the bleeding, I, there the bleeding were parts of that visual, movie that were that was, brilliant. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but generally, what he did with Luke was just kind of well. And it's funny to sad. me because mm-hmm. I, I think um, it, it, I'll play devil's advocate a bit because I, in a way, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I don't necessarily like the way that Luke is handled in that film, but you watch Last Jedi and I remember when I rewatched it some time ago it is the most Kurosawian I don't know if that's an adjective but uh, of in maybe any Star Wars movie like if you've watched Kurosawa movies and I'm, I'm a big Last fan Jedi? of Kurosawa yeah like the the Rashomon flashbacks in that about Luke and Kylo Ren and their oh. their fight uh-huh. under the in the bedroom yeah. and, and he made the, a uh, great film and honestly i thought it was the, better the, the second time yeah the, there, there's a lot it, yeah. of cinematic like classical <laughs> there are some cinematic though well yeah. well well yeah. The, the whole holdo horse creatures yeah, on a gambling like, planet thing i felt a little abused weak. by the whole gambling planet well, escapade. It was because it was just like the most it was pointless. unnecessary, pointless it thing. It literally was 30 ever. minutes well, of it pointless. Well, it was literally yeah, a purely meta thing, which if you've seen Ryan Johnson's movies, you know that he has this penchant for meta storytelling. And yeah, honestly, I think it kind of sucks. I think it's kind of <laughs> bad. I don't really like it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like it myself <laughs> yeah. either. But the Luke storyline mm-hmm. of Last Jedi, um, actually, if you just divorce it from however you felt about Luke in the original trilogy, just as a story on its own as a film, it works very well cinematically. And I'll give you that. The The second time I watched it where I wasn't surprised by what I saw from Luke, Mm -hmm. I actually did think it was more justified than when I first time I saw it, I was like, whoa, that's Luke. What, what, you know, I I was, there was a shock factor that, that was. Because again, and this is the thing, I don't know if it excuses the storytelling per se, but I think it at least helps you understand it. The laws of storytelling kind of dictate what Star Wars storytellers do a lot of the time because the formula is so strict because it is this pastoral tale. And so what has to happen? Well, Luke can't be the fair-haired boy who saves the day Mm -hmm. because in the Joseph Campbell mythology... Ray's now that person, so who can he be? He has to be the grumpy old mentor who didn't quite get it right. 
which is what Obi-Wan He's Kenobi Yoda. was. He's Yoda. Yeah, exactly. exactly. He's it's more just, close to Yoda. It's, it's like, it would be yeah. like people getting mad that Obi-Wan Kenobi dies in A New Hope because they saw the prequel trilogy. I was mad about that when I first saw it when I was seven right, but, seven but, but, but Not Obi-Wan! <laughs> <laughs> but if you had seen the prequels and you thought, oh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is like this hero and then he dies in A New Hope, mm-hmm. it'd be like getting mad about that because mm-hmm. it's... You know, it, it's all about kind of your expectations going in. Yeah. But um, but I think it's interesting how much people felt invested in the stories mm-hmm. because um, what was it about the story, I guess, that, that created that connection? Because now, you, I mean, you watch the trailer of the new one, episode nine is about to come out, and it was the saga never ends. I mean, it was almost like the gospel is like the greatest story ever told. The story goes on forever. You know, it, it's like it, it it's translation. We're going to make so much money, <laughs> but no, it's like, it's, it's almost evangelical, like yeah, in, in yeah. its language about the story of star Wars. Yeah. And, and I kind of want to take a step back. And again, I'm a, I'm a fan of stars and I'll be there and I'll watch the movie, but I go, what, it's not what it's sounding like, Ben. <laughs> Are we still friends? But, <laughs> but what what about Star Wars are people responding to? Is it something that's in the franchise, or is it something that people are projecting into the franchise? Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. is the question. And what is it that people project into the franchise? If so. Hmm. What is, what is it? You're asking, what is it in Star Wars that makes people react so? Well, Ben, why don't you tell us? Since I happen to know that you know, in the uh, tween ages, that you would spend hours writing on forums. Oh man, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the like the dark role past playing of role ben playing. Is yeah. <laughs> no, but like I was you know eleven. I was eleven. I never did that. You guys may have <laughs> yes, been battling. I, I, you know. <laughs> no, well, I never. I I was young enough that. I wasn't really in the forum yeah, yeah. realm. I was sewing my own Jedi robes, <laughs> but that's a little different. Well, no, well, but what is it about? There's well, I for one thing. Okay, so I I'll take for for me for myself. Okay, I think that there is a language of heroism and story that is baked most purely into the first film, A New mm-hmm. Hope. That is essentially, it's just a fairy tale set yeah, in space. Definitely. And mm-hmm. so, like, I played it for my, oh, I guess it was really my oldest child, Audrey, um, when she was maybe five. I, I said, okay, honey, here's, you can watch just the first, the, the later ones have two more, more scary things in them, but the yeah. first one really is, is pretty innocuous. And um, so I, I let her see it, and I'm watching it thinking, you know, of course she's going to love this. There's a distressed princess. Yeah. A farm boy hero. Yep. An evil dark lord. It's Shrek. A. <laughs> I was gonna say it's a classic medieval fairy tale. Is what I was gonna say. Um, which Shrek is lampooning, I guess. Yes. But you know that that's really what we're watching, yeah. just set in space. You know, right. and mm-hmm. so in it's so, Sleeping Beauty. It is a, a very very deeply human yeah. story on those levels, like the iconography of it mm-hmm. right. is very very um, mythic. Mm-hmm. Right, which is why people recognize it so much with the Joseph Campbell mm-hmm. archetypes. Which is ironic that it's now owned by Disney. 
<laughs> yes, yes, I know. Um, so in one way, I think it's that. People relate so much. And now it's so much a part of nostalgia culture yeah. mm-hmm. that it's uh, fathers want to show it for their children say, where were you when you saw this one in the theaters or what, you know, whatever, there's a whole other pop culture element to yeah. it that I mm-hmm. think adds to that power. But, but I think that's come, that's come after, mm-hmm. you know, because there were, there had to have been something originally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, it's, you know, I, I might have to lean more towards the nostalgia side mm-hmm. because I was not alive when it originally came out. Right. I was not even a thought in my my parents' mind. Well, you know? I, so it's like I yeah. I cannot relate to that original connection, that uh-huh. original wonder. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, to an extent when I first saw them, but at that point I had already been being called Luke Skywalker my entire life and I had no idea what it was talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it was at that point it was already a big enough part of culture that mm-hmm. Well, and I think that... What is your answer to your question? Well, I think your answer is part of it, right? Mm -hmm. The archetypal. And and actually, that's a a real fascinating rabbit trail we could Mm -hmm. totally go down because the the Joseph Campbell, uh, I don't know, like Hero with a Thousand Faces, Mm -hmm. that story, you can find it in all sorts of places. Yeah. Actually, one of the purest examples, I think, is The Magician's Nephew by mm. C.S. Lewis. Oh, yeah. Is it like a really, really pure version of the mm. Campbell mm-hmm. like paradigm. But um, when you uh, look at the decades of Star Wars fandom, when they announced the sequel trilogy, the amount of pent-up energy surrounding it mm-hmm. Um, was was so enormous that you never would have known that, what, 10 years before, more and more, Phantom Menace had been released to, if anything, even more pent-up demand. So even though Lucas had pretty much destroyed his own trilogy with two very bad movies and a third uh, mixed bag, at least... Um, it, it like Lucas himself could not destroy Star Wars, right? Like yeah. He, yeah, he couldn't yeah. do it, and he somehow did his best. <laughs> he did his best. <laughs> but tried. it was like people just forgot yeah. about the prequels right. and they just jumped into the sequels. And I think it part of it was that the old cast was coming back, mm-hmm. right? And that there was a sense the magic might come back with mm-hmm. them. But I think that something deeper was going on, which is that the internet has so transformed uh, the way fans relate to franchises. Number one and number two, um, social justice culture, yeah. right, had so taken over on the internet that basically, and what social justice culture does, because I studied this in English literature classes for my bachelor's, uh, any kind of critical theory, literary theory, all it does is it looks for culturally relevant archetypes and properties to infest. And dominate. It's it's a cancer. So it it ideologically. So it just mm-hmm. fi- so Jane Eyre becomes a feminist. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. A lesbian, it's, and you and you just start taking over anything that pops up culturally. You infest and take over like a parasite. It's interesting you bring that up because, you know, I saw the original trilogy. Obviously, those are just on their own level. But I had Phantom Menace and later Attack of the Clones on VHS. I watched them all the time. I loved them. Mm-hmm. Like they were 
they were amazing. Mm-hmm. And really, it wasn't until I was introduced to the internet and a larger community of Star Wars fans that I came to learn that Phantom Menace was not very well liked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In my mind, it was amazing. Like, uh-huh. really? Because yeah. I had grown up watching it. I had it. it was, well, it was what I had. And it's a and great, it, like, and it was Star Wars movie. for me. Like, yeah. there, there, there's a there's a kids movie element of Phantom Menace. Yeah, and, and I didn't even know that people hated Jar Jar until I'm like online. I'm like, oh. Well, people really don't like him. Well, and, why. and I'm with you, you know? in this sense that As I, a child, I grew up watching Return of the wouldn't. Jedi yeah. just right along with the three. Because actually, Alex and I, yeah. our, our uh, Star Wars experiences go back to we would have sleepovers. Well, we and were we would watch all three films in a row. Yeah, we did that. And, and when I was little, he, May the 4th. he released the what? May, what do y'all not know? What? Yeah, May the 4th. May the 4th is you. National Star Wars Day. Yeah, May the 4th oh, be with May you. May the 4th be with you. You watch all the movies. Because we can't yeah. say our R's yeah. are yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, when I was a kid, he released the special edition yeah. in theaters. And so my dad was like, oh, look, you can go see Star Wars in the theaters. So right. We all went and saw those. Um, and we would go to the pizza And I was place a huge afterwards. fan. And then we would rent the Super Nintendo yeah. SNES Return of the Jedi game was my favorite. Nice. And that we would play that at all my sleepovers. That's what we did. My first we rented one that. Was podcast race or uh, oh, Pod Racer. A Pod Racer. N64 yeah. Podcast Racer. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. would play that. That was a fun a game. Lot. Yeah. That was a good, mm-hmm. good racer. Yeah. Um, no, I think that is interesting, man, because you, so you're saying that part of the hullabaloo about the, another reboot is that the SJW saw an opportunity to co opt. The Star Wars universe. I think that the whole. So what you're nat- saying? Yeah, I think the whole nature of social justice warrior culture mm-hmm. is to recognize culturally relevant things and then seize them. And part yeah. part of seizing them is to make them bigger, right? Because right. the bigger they are, the more powerful it is when you've controlled them. Well, and you can see that reflected in the philosophy of the Force, because the, yeah. in the original, original trilogy, the Force was very. Light and dark. It was very. Right. It was very. Good but and evil. now it was good and evil. Yeah, but now we have the whole concept of the balance. It's like right. mm-hmm. you what must does that find. Even mean like well, I we don't need know. to be half bad and half good. What does that mean? <laughs> well, like, yeah, you know what it's I mean. Like, like that's, and, that's and the whole balance thing is in Star Wars history pretty new. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, even George Lucas really didn't have much of that going on in the sequel trilogy or the prequel. Well, they did trilogy. have the thing of like the idea of like bring balance to the Force. But, but what did balance that mean? Be, meaning that that the dark side had become the meaning the balance meaning that the scales had tipped in favor of the dark side. Yeah, that's what balance of the force meant for everything before. Disney okay, but got let's it. dig into this question because this is probably the crux of the what does the force mean question, and this is mm-hmm. you know our is our the fundamental question I guess today. How can you say well? I want like oh the dark is too powerful. We need to bring them down a couple notches and have <laughs> three more good Jedi, and then we'll just let you know the the two exist over here because we need balance. How is that? Because good doesn't want evil, right? Good can't want evil to exist. Well, well and this right. is the issue, and why I would say that Star Wars, I think at its root, it's not Eastern actually. It's it's more Western actually, but it has Eastern trappings. Mm-hmm. But it is dualistic like it's yeah. it's not christian it's not eastern it's actually more zoroastrian it's mm-hmm. it because there is the moral choice at the yeah. center of it yeah and that's the best part of it is 
rejecting the dark and choosing the light and I will and not fight you father yeah yeah <laughs> which I want to point out that in Return of the Jedi and Return of the Jedi gets some hate mm-hmm. but Return of the Jedi the final throne room scene that's a great scene is a yeah. great scene and actually what is being presented there is actually a very thoughtful take on the power of nonviolence and the power of martyrdom. of a martyrdom, and that's yeah. when he says, "I am a Jedi," right? right? Like I am a Jedi, right. like my father before he is mastery. me. He, yeah. He's mastered himself. Well, and, and, and his martyrdom converts. His martyrdom converts Vader. Right, and, and it's his it's his self mastery and his self sacrifice, mm-hmm. both things. Yeah, which self mastery is not something that's really celebrated today, but yeah. actually that and. And it's something that's really important. Fighting the Christian, flesh. Christian tradition. I mean, you yeah. go back to the ascetics, like the Desert Fathers mm-hmm. in the second century, mm-hmm. and you move forward, the whole monastic tradition of spiritual yeah. disciplines and prayer, all of that was about self-mastery. And not, should- not for the sake of pride, which is often what tends to creep in, in, I think, in some Eastern traditions, but for the sake of Christ. Yeah. And, and at least in Return of the Jedi, you get a glimpse of that in a pop culture setting. Yeah. No, I think I think you're onto something, Ben, um, because there is a I mean, this is something that goes two thousand years and beyond in in our own history as people, back to Christ of saying, because that is what Luke Skywalker is, right? Mm-hmm. He's a new hope because uh, hope uh for those of you out there, hope is a word that gets very misunderstood but it actually means a reasonable assurance. Mm. It's something that you're certain of. It's like, I have a hope. It means that that's actually it's not, like it's not completely some, it's not, opposite of what everyone thinks. It's it not. Is. Yeah. It's not the same thing as a wish. Yeah, a hope is something you hang your hat on. Right. It's something that you you have an assurance of. And so, like when we have Christ, when like in the gospel or not the gospels in. Uh, uh, one of Paul's letters, it says, "It is Christ in you, the hope of glory." Yeah. It's that it's the promise of glory that we bet on. Yeah. We're betting mm-hmm. everything on it. Mm-hmm. And so Luke is the th- hope. He is the thing that they are betting everything on. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is maybe one of the reasons that I would have a problem with how the new trilogy has, has kind of brought the story forward because they had to make him fail in that. But I, I think that this is one of the things that, you know, all the, the writers... You know, they bounce around and every director has his own little spin on things now that they put on it. But to me, the big element of Star Wars that they cannot escape is that at the root of it is the story of how love conquers. Yeah. You know, Mm. and not in like a Disney Channel sense. No. But it's actually the love of a family. Right. Right. And, And this is to me where if they were smart, okay. Which I don't. I don't believe they are really. That smart. This is, this is <laughs> not Alex that I'm that exclusive. Uh, this is his, my. If I version. if I ruled Star Wars, right. okay, the next movie. That I, I don't predict this because I I don't think they'll go there. But the the real way to bring balance is you know the Jedi had this you know celibate thing and they had the image of monks and that and that has its own place. Yeah. But in a real sense, why is it that Luke and Leia and Leia's son they have all this special amazing power well it's because they're a family right and that in family in the the dispensation of familyhood of father mother 
child is the fullest it, uh, manifestation of love. And the more love that exists, the more the spirit. Yeah. Exactly. Can mm-hmm. thrive. And the more the force honestly, is powerful. I don't know if they So anyway, would. I th- I think that would actually be the best. I agree. And I think mm-hmm. in some ways they might do a version of that mm-hmm. because they have kind of been playing up the idea through literature and the shows and whatnot that the Jedi of the prequel trilogy, you know, before before the great Jedi purge, mm-hmm. that that Jedi that that the order of Jedi had become lost. They had become too uh, preoccupied with politics mm-hmm. and war and things that they really didn't believe in. Oil. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Illegal and, arms. Yeah. And arms that the trading. Whole, well, clones. And that the whole, yeah, clones. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that the whole um, rule of not mm-hmm. forming attachments was actually something that caused a lot of downfall uh-huh. because it was, you know, they've actually hinted, you know, that, that through love and through mm-hmm. companionship is where actually the strength lies. Yeah. Um, but it is it's interesting to consider that with the idea of Luke though, because that, that image of Luke, you know, the lone, he's, he's well, the lone well, ranger. I in think, a way, I think that there's, well, and it's both things, right? Cause it's, yeah. it's the, the power of family and, and the loneliness, which, you know, what the prequel trilogy I think was trying to tell was the story of a, of a man alone, right? That Anakin was, an orphan who was alone and he mm-hmm. needed a mother figure. And, mm-hmm. and, and in that way, like actually Ross Douthat of the New York times, his take on last Jedi was that the relationship between Kylo Ren and Ray was what Anakin and Padme could have been, you know, because mm. it's essentially the same relationship, you yeah. know, like this loner who finds a mother figure to kind of take care of him. But, um, but uh, so you have the family dynamic, but then you also have this other, archetype which i think is what luke embodies mm-hmm. which is you know the the hermit in the desert mm-hmm. right and and what is what is supposed to come from the desert well it's the power to purify yeah right and 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 you see this even in westerns right like Clint Eastwood and Pale Rider, mm-hmm. right? He comes out of the desert, yeah. and what has happened in the desert? He's been honed. Yeah. He has self mastery. He has so much mastery that he can pull the gun faster, and he can tell what's going to happen before it happens. Right? Yeah. He's like he's a spiritual person. When I heard somebody, and that and and that power is what can renew the the culture. So I think that's and you have that even in the Old Testament. You have Elijah, but you also have you know family too so it, it's like you yeah, need both they're, poles they're both, you need family yeah. and community I, I heard i was listening to an audiobook on um silence is what the subject was and, and um cardinal sarah wrote this book and it, it's just a meditation on the idea of silence in a lot of various ways but one of the things he quotes is one of the desert fathers saying people think that when you go to the desert that you just have this euphoric experience of God. He said, what you find when you go to the desert is all your demons descend on you hmm. in the in even more difficult way. Jesus, right? The well, yeah, that's where he yeah. gets tempted, right. you know? And, and so you think about that and, and, but talking about that honing, like hmm. coming out of the desert, um, it's like John the Baptist, you know, coming mm-hmm. out of the desert or Jesus coming back after his temptation. Luke that in Dagobah when, with the dark side cave. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you go yeah. to that lonely place, yeah. the desert 
place. And like in some translations it says Jesus goes to a desert place. Mm-hmm. Um, that when you go there and you resist temptation, you come out stronger in your spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it reminds me of, um, I think it's in Screwtape Letters that Lewis talks about that, that he'll know more about his temptation by giving in. Mm-hmm. versus, I think it's maybe it's somewhere else, but but essentially the idea that the man who resists temptation understands the temptation mm-hmm. to this sin, yeah. whereas the one who gives into it never understands it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, and it's that understanding your enemy, which is the dark side, the devil, mm-hmm. understanding your enemy by resisting him is how you actually triumph. And that's where that, inner strength comes from. I think that's, mm-hmm. that is a really, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to call that my moral of the story yeah. for Star Wars that's pretty good. part one. Mm-hmm. So that's I don't know what you guys, you got, what's, what's yours? Oh gosh. Well, I, I think the thing, the value of Star Wars, I think has always been culturally that it, whenever you see a story, it's always about temptation, mm-hmm. right? Star Wars is a story, is a story about temptation and about the hero resisting it and triumphing. And I think that actually that story isn't told a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you, if you just think about Marvel movies or Disney movies in general, or um, you know, there's not a lot of stories told anymore where a moral conundrum or an internal struggle is the source of drama. Mm-hmm. And two, that it reawoke this idea of the moral question of self-mastery. And that's what inspired people to begin with. Because especially young men, we actually have deep in our DNA a desire for self-mastery. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a huge... I mean, that's what Jordan Peterson is. I mean, it's like a whole... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a whole push on that. So I think that's the moral question here. Luke, you're in the seat of honor today. Uh, This is Star Wars. Well, yeah, for me, I I always have been drawn back to the, the simplicity of the story. And in a lot of ways, it's probably why, uh, you know, Tolkien is is way deeper and, and more intellectual, and I think there's more to learn there. But in a way, the story of The Lord of the Rings is similar to the original mm-hmm. Star Wars. You know, you have the prophet, Gandalf, Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. you have uh, the the protagonist, mm-hmm. with Frodo and, and Luke, um, you know, going to... It's just the timeless, it's the class, it's just light versus dark, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why, you know, I'm, for nostalgic reasons as well, but it's, I, I'm not really a massive fan of the, the newer movies just because of, mm-hmm. I've muddied that water quite a bit mm-hmm. and it's, it's less simple. You yeah, know, it's just it's not about Clear it's cut. more soap opera, right? Yeah, you, get, you just start getting into soap opera territory right, rather right. than pure, right? A pure story, right? Exactly, which is, is what the which you the know the purity is. of it is. Yeah, that's I think that's why I've always been so attracted to it as a mm-hmm. as a as a story. There so. was nothing better than being at my grandparents on Thanksgiving Day and turning on whatever channel it was that was playing Star Wars. Oh yeah, right yeah, oh, yeah, the Sci Fi <laughs> Channel. Oh, and I will say that this is another story for me that, and I, I think I touched on this in one of our previous episodes. This is a story for me that I can just totally get into. Mm. and just glean what I can from it. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's cause mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And so I can just like, I am invested mm-hmm. in this story when I yeah. watch it. Well, and I, and I've been, I have been so invested in it for a long time that 
it just it's even more so. Yeah, you know. Well, it gets even there's a I, richness. Yeah, and even I'm yeah. even though I'm not the biggest fan of the newer movies, mm-hmm. I'm so invested that I still want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. This this story. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's true. I think it's talking comparing it to Lord of the Rings. I think it's interesting when you think about fantasy, which we often take of as a you know uh, uh, things that are fanciful. Like we kind of connect it that way. Whereas fantasy comes from the Germanic that literally means imagination. Yeah. So you have a work of imagination, which is what we find. I think why we find so much richness in Star Wars or in Lord of the Rings or these mm-hmm. things that they they are a spark that your own imagination can fill in the blanks, yeah. you know, and it and it helps you imagine things um, beyond the mundane of every day, mm-hmm. right? Well, and also it the idea of being a Jedi is that you are called, mm-hmm. right? You are called to discipline and excellence and to sanctity and to mm-hmm. this and ultimately that that gives you power and yeah. and that and that is a very deep well and in the uh, first string movie, within the human you know when heart. luke's doing the little mm-hmm. uh, lightsaber yeah. exercise yep. and he's learning how to feel the force flowing <laughs> through you um and hanzo like yeah just a good blaster by my side or whatever you know but but there's a there's a implicit um you know fact by Alec Guinness's character in Obi-Wan that it Han there, there's actually a weight on Han to engage the force too. Yeah. Mm, it's yeah. not just like, well, you're not a Jedi, so you wouldn't get it. You know, yeah. it's mm-hmm. that there's actually a weight. It's like you're you are missing a essential part of reality by not engaging. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the spiritual, spiritual dimension. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that it's everyone's responsibility to feel the unseen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That you know, we battle against things that are unseen, that we are mm-hmm. partly uh, spiritual. We are spiritual beings, you know, beyond our and body. And that when you enter that, you enter the war, right? Because yeah. Han is not in the war. That's right. The right. fight between good and evil. And that's actually why I have a beef with them giving like there to be a force planet and all this, you know, physical trappings of it, because the force is actually a very helpful analogy for us to understand spirit. To defend Star Wars, you know, mm-hmm. they were in a way transported to a, like a metaphysical plane. It wasn't like they flew; they were in a ship, but they didn't like land. It wasn't. They were kind of transported. So it I was, see. Okay, it's not strictly physical in the way that you're thinking. They got so it's like a vision. In a well, they're it's actually. Kind of, I've heard it compared to the wood between the worlds. I yes, think. Oh, like yeah. magicians. Yeah. Yes, like that's, it's like yeah. this. That's more acceptable, but yeah. yeah. Well, actually, that's yeah. kind of platonic uh, forms. Yeah, or where Dave Filoni mm-hmm. drew inspiration, and he actually has a more closely um, matched version of that in Star Wars Rebels, mm-hmm. and that they kind of introduce this world between worlds. Mm. Um, hmm. So. Yeah, that was uh, that was cool which too. maybe we'll That's see it in episode yeah. nine. Well, so I, maybe, I will say I was ending predictions. You know, uh, we're still in advance of episode nine. Do you want nine. another half hour on this episode? <laughs> uh, I was thinking like one prediction. <laughs> one prediction. I'll go for a, a really out there prediction, and and, and I could totally uh, end up falling on flat on my face. But this is just based on what I sense from the trailer, which is I think Kylo Ren is going to turn good. But I but I think that he's going to turn good like kind of early maybe in the story or maybe midway through the story, and that actually it'll be about Ray kind of being 
off base, not bad, but off base. And that it'll kind of be about him saving her, not her saving him. I think that'll be the drama of the story, which if they do that, that would actually be pretty cool. Yeah. My prediction is that Palpatine is not physically back. Mm. I think that in some spiritual sense or possession, he's back. Um, I just manifestation. Think manifestation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's enough material out there that would support that theory. Okay. So that's that's kind of where I stand. Okay. I don't think he's actually physically back. I think his spirit is back. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. That laugh. That, that laugh. laugh. Yeah. Well, you know, I do know if he is in the movie at all, he's got to be the worst bad guy because nobody's more wrinkly than he is. <laughs> in real life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I um, will share. So we have, you know, a program where you can support the show. Mm-hmm. You can check out the link in our show description. You can get a free audiobook mm-hmm. and... Should I suggest a Star Wars book? Since Why we're... don't you suggest a Star Wars book for us? So Luke? I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna. I'm going to just anyone who is not a a big Star Wars nerd and would like to explore more. I will introduce you to one of the very first books of Star Wars literature, which sadly it is no longer in the Star Wars canon. Mm. But um, Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn. Mm. Uh, it's the first part in a trilogy, um, which is commonly referred to now as the Thrawn trilogy because it mm. introduces Admiral Thrawn, which is mm. one of my favorite villains, which they have, they have brought him into the canon. Um, so, but it's a great book. Um, mm. It kind of explores the time after Return of the Jedi when they're kind of rebuilding and there's still some remnants of the Empire. So it's in between Return of the Jedi and episode yeah, well, seven. Well, it's, it's it now is, no it's longer. Now it's apocryphal or yeah, something. Well, yeah, so yeah. yeah, anything before... Disney bought Star Wars is now no longer canon. It's referred to as Star Wars Legends. Uh, so it is it is considered a legend. Mm. But they do have a habit of of canonizing a lot of that stuff when it yeah. suits their needs. Check out the link in the show description. Get you a free audiobook mm-hmm. for free, mm-hmm. and it helps us out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Keep yeah. this show going. Keep, Keep it this going. show on the road. Yep. Uh, share this podcast, please. Uh, leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen. And we uh, hope you will write to us and let us know your thoughts, your opinions. Uh, you can write at contact at moralofthestorypodcast.com. And it's contact at moralofthestorypodcast.com. And as we like to say, share this with your friends, family, and your enemies. And may the force be with you. The Moral of the Story with Alex Wolliver, Luke Taylor, and Benjamin Wolliver. Please subscribe to The Moral of the Story on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Visit moralofthestorypodcast.com. Copyright 2019 Moral of the Story Media.